This episode of Ben the Knee is brought to you by our bannermen, Lord Jason of House Ross, Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Master of the Web, Lady Dawn of House Wright, Sir Chris of House Farber, Lady Tracy of House Fa, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, Sandy the Dragon, Blood of Queen Daenerys and Lady of Jameson, Lord John of House Fry, Lady Juliana of House Stradley, Sir David of House Fraser, Lady Liz of House Hendricks, Sir Matthew of House Perry, Lady Madeline of House Fritzel, Lady Adrian of House Dillard, Lady Ashley of House Gardner, Lady Lismalin of House Morales. This episode of Bend the Knee is protected by Sir Ryan of House Turbush, Lady Sarah the Unraveler. Our current champion is Lady Kira of House Arnold. Our current Master of Coin is Lord Jason of House Ross. Squire to Sir Matt, Lady Betsy of House Hudson. And welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into brand six of A Clash of Kings. And today we will also be discussing who wrote the pink letter. Yeah. Sir Ezra, who wrote it? Well, I'm going to tell you, there's actually some breaking news on on who wrote it, and um, we don't have to guess anymore, okay? We've all been just, you know, oh, it's it's Mance, you know, oh, it's Melisandre, it's Ramsey, you know, it's Patchface, Hot Pie, Lady Stoneheart, been going on and on. We don't have to guess anymore, um, so... This was a couple of days ago, uh, some breaking news. George came out, and I forget who he was interviewed by, right? He was interviewed by somebody, though. And Matt had this. Uh, I think he has the direct quote here for me in just a second. But um, he was basically, point blank, was asked. And I think, you know, he's, he's writing Winds of Winter, revising it, what have you. Um, he was asked, point blank, who wrote the pink letter? And I think you get that quote for us there. Uh, yeah, he was asked, uh, who wrote the pink letter? And he said, no one. Quote, <laughs> no one, end quote. <laughs> exactly what he said, okay? So just, uh, you know, wanted to throw that out there for you guys. Uh, something to think about. You know, he kind of, uh, it's a bit, is, that, is that a clue? Is that some sort of clue? Did we just make all of that up? Did he actually say that? Who knows? Uh, who knows? I don't know. Who knows? You're, you're going to have to go to his blog. No, we, we were kind of sitting around and we were, we were thinking, like, um, what if somebody had the chance to ask George about the pink letter and he just in, like, you know, over, like, whether it was a con or something, over three different interviews in maybe three days or one day, he said, no one, I wrote it, you know, and then he threw out, like, a random, you know, just a random person. I think it'd be great. I wish he would do that kind of, just throw us off way, just super throw us off here, George. Because well, all those so fake Martins did, are crazy. He did, he did write it. Technically, he did write it. I mean, the answer is that George wrote the pink letter himself. He actually wrote it. So, but anyway, yeah. Um, so, no, I guess we want to get into this a little bit. We actually did a follow-up. We did a, kind of a follow-up to some YouTube comments. So, just so folks on the podcast understand where we're going, we are live on YouTube right now. We're kind of making a push to uh, get to 1,000 subscribers, right? We're really close. Yeah, we're close. We're really close. And so any any help um, there would be great. Just subscribing, liking uh, a, v- a video over there. And uh, we're probably going to do a follow-up to this main podcast with more of a, a smaller condensed version of um, our thoughts on the pink letter. Because I do have a thought on who wrote it. And I think I may know exactly who actually put pen to paper. And um, I think other people know too. I th- it's been out there from what I found. I'll, I'll kind of tell you guys my progression in all of this and what I recently discovered so to to recap uh sir matt we had a video where we were talking about the pink letter we had a great comment in that um in that uh video um and uh we did a follow-up with sir jimmy right and as Mm -hmm. we're reading that comment we get to the point where someone's talking about a nine-part um series 
This is, I'm just going to jump into this. Is that okay? Just go, jump yes, right go, in. No, go right ahead. All right. All right. And you just monitor the chat. Tell me if anybody wants to mm-hmm. comment or something. something's going on here. But we kind of did this, uh, this, this follow-up. And we learned that someone, um, I think it was Admiral Kurd. Does that sound right? Admiral, mm-hmm. Admiral Kurd. I believe so, um, yeah. K-I-R-D. YouTuber. Yeah. Yeah, name was dropped for us. So shout out to, to uh, that individual. Did I did actually go watch one of his videos uh, today where he breaks down kind of just like uh, Winds of Winter and how it can't really fit into uh, it possibly is going to be two volumes, which is interesting because I, I, you know, I actually kind of wonder if somebody wasn't recommended to our channel from that video um, just because we've been talking about that. And I, I had no idea who that individual was. So um, but supposedly this person is a Redditor as well and has uh, Reddit thoughts and maybe a nine part series on the idea that Sir Alistair Thorne wrote the pink letter. And so Sir Matt drops that on me, and I start thinking a lot of that made sense. We started mm. thinking about the idea that the pink letter, you came up with the phrase, it's, it's an inside job. You said to me, yeah. it's an inside job. And I was like, it just kept dawning on me because we're always thinking, oh, is it Ramsey? You know, um, is, is, is it Mance? Was it Stannis? Did Melisandre have something to do with it? All these different things, but was it just an inside job? Um, did somebody else orchestrate it or commission it? And so it kind of got me thinking, and I was like, well, let's 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 look at that. I was going over Sir Alistair Thorne, thinking through that live. You can actually see that video where I'm like totally Sir Jimmy's like watching me like go through the progression of like, oh uh, yeah, that this would work, that would work. The one thing I could not fit together was Reek. And you can hear me say that in the video. I'm like, I, I don't know. You know how, how he would know about Reek. Yeah, how would he know about Reek? And 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 um, that part of the letter was confusing to me and making the connection between Alistair Thorne. So hadn't done, you know, I I, I was like, all right. And then then folks wanted to know where that nine part, um, uh, you know, theory is laid out. I tried to find it, I could not find it, and so I just said, you know what, I'm gonna go do some research. I'm gonna go do some digging, and I went off this idea. We were making all sorts of jokes off the podcast. Sir Matt and I were talking about. Everyone who could possibly have written it, you know, did somebody in King's Landing write? I mean, we were just going down like this, this long list of and just just joking. Did Jon Snow write it himself? You know, we were just having a Mm -hmm. having a good time. And I said, well, let's look at who actually handed him the letter. And I went and it was this morning. I was I was just looking around. I was doing some digging. And I said, let me look at Clytus, this fella Clytus. Let me go see if he, you know, um, like like who is he what what i'm gonna know more about him um see if there's any ties to him and the pink letter so i go to a search of ice and fire and i look up um when i I type in pink letter i type in clitus i type in various search terms and i come up to the to, to the point where the first kind of bolton letter shows up um about a marriage and Arya Stark and marrying his sister john kind of says i don't have a sister right uh just brothers and so Clytus was there and he talks about the pink um, wax and Bolton's seal. And so there's Clytus. And as I was reading that, there's a description of Clytus's eyes. And it said that Clytus's eyes were dim pink eyes. And I was like, now, I was like, stop everything. Hold the phone here. You, like one word can sort of lead you down this rabbit hole. And I'm like, all right, this is wild. This is wild. That's cool. So I went and looked up. I found it one more place. I really couldn't find anything else, but I found it twice in a dance. And I was like, okay, twice he's described, like the color pink is described with Clytus. And then Clytus is the one who brings the infamous pink letter with the pink smeared kind of wax later on. And um, yeah, and works closely with Maester Eamon, all of this stuff. So full credit here. I don't want to go any further without giving, giving complete full credit. I start a search. I'm not huge on Reddit. Matt, uh, Sir Matt is definitely more of that Reddit guy who gets on there, um, looks up theories and, and will kind of tell me something. And then a lot of times we'll read a theory. It'll take us down another rabbit hole or several rabbit holes and we'll kind of add on to it. So I like a lot of what, what I was thinking and um, some of the pieces that I was missing, like Alistair Thorne, how is he connected to Roose Bolton? How would he know about Reek? Um, how would Clytus be connected? All of that. The, I hadn't quite gotten there. Again, this was this morning when I when I was kind of thinking through this. And I go and I find a four-part Reddit theory, which we will put a link to down in the description. Fantastic. And to me now, uh, Sir Matt, it is just canon in my head. I think I know exactly um, 
who's behind all of this. Who's, who's behind it, yeah. Yeah, and so this was um, uh, Gideon Wainwright, so posted by Gideon Wainwright, and this was like four years ago. Um, yeah, and, and again, it is sort of a Bolton conspiracy part one, Bolton conspiracy part two, three, and four. So inside of that theory, he kind of makes this connection to the pink letter and does does almost an examination of Bruce Bolton and some of the figures and people around him and, uh, you know, especially during the time of when he's at Winterfell and how he got to that point, which is which is really, really, really cool. So the pieces that were filled in for me, and this is where I'm going to totally go to some of his theory and just kind of talk you guys through the missing gaps and, and what was my, I'm just thinking, okay, Clytus is involved. I knew that the Stewarts were up to no good. There's a little bit of like, you know, when Sam is kind of promoted over, um, like Sam becomes kind of the favorite to Maester Aemon, works with him closely. So did Clytus. And Clytus kind of feels maybe, you know, you could, you, you could, in, you could infer slighted a little bit maybe. And the other stewards, like, you know, John is all of a sudden elevated above them. Um, you do even see, it's, it's very easy to see that there is something going on brewing. I mean, Sir Alistair Thorne um, has been a thorn in Jon Snow's side, right, for so long. He's been such, um, you know, a, I don't know, he's, just not, he's not a fan. Uh, there's, I don't think he likes the decisions that John is making. I think he, he, think he, he thinks he should have been Lord Commander. Um, he also thinks he's being sent off to his death. So that's all the stuff that was rolling around in our minds as we started into our research. And then I just found something that, I, you, you know, again, this theory, you, you can't find anything better. I've, I've been looking for it. And if you can, leave a comment down below. Leave a link because we would love to check it out. Um, but the first part of this is just that Roose Bolton is a mastermind. So let's talk for a second, Sir Matt, just about, like, how cunning Roose Bolton is, right? And how... Yeah, um, yeah I mean... Yeah. I mean, he basically goes, I mean, you look at just what he does to Theon. I mean, that's really smart and how he manipulates Theon into getting um, Kaelin and everything, everything he does with him with basically torturing him, convincing he's convincing him he's somebody else. Um, now, I will say that book Roos, I would, I, in my kind of headcanon, I consider to be light, slightly less intelligent than show Roos, but I think the show version of him does a really good job of kind of like he is he is a really good manipulator um oh excuse me excuse me Roos bolton i was thinking ramsey excuse me yes yeah, Roos yeah. bolton yeah. Roos bolton yes Roos bolton is a master manipulator yes in the yes, books yeah a yeah. master and way better it's actually the opposite right where right, show right. ramsey i think is a little more intelligent the book ramsey show Roos is a little less intelligent is less intelligent than show than book Roos. Roos Bolton no is a total manipulator. Remember, um the only thing that I can I can say about him where it's you find odd is that he doesn't recognize Arya as his cupbearer. Remember in the show it's um Lannister, Tywin Lannister, but in the books it's it's Roos Bolton that Arya serves as the cupbearer for in Harrenhal, which is actually the chapter we will be discussing um, not this week, but next week um, mm -hmm. is when is when he arrives. But he, I mean, he's really the one kind of behind the Red Wedding. I mean, if you you know, he's he's a big part of that. Um, and I mean, he's positioning himself. You look at all of the comments he makes right through when he's with Rob and stuff like that, leading up to it, and you, and, you know, positioning and jockeying himself for for power. Yeah. Yeah, and and the thing is, I mean, he just so often, um, like we have a lot of our masterminds, our game, our Game of Thrones players, who they kind of tell you what, like they give you hints. George uh, allows them to give us hints or some internal thoughts or even a conversation with someone else, and you start to know what their plans are, their motives, their their intentions. Roos is scarier because we don't really know. All of a sudden, he's the surprise at the red wedding and stuff and alliances that he's making and scheming mm -hmm. and stuff and and um and then you wonder what all communications going on between him and his bastard son you know um it, like like early on in those books and it, it from the get-go we're told to not to keep an eye on him to not trust him i mean there's this weird kind of lore around them being um you know taking the skins of their enemies and and just uh his eyes are described. I mean, the, like, there's the whole. I mean, what is it called? The bolt-on theory, right? That 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 whole theory is 
is very interesting, um, and we've covered it multiple times here. Numerous creators have covered it, and it's and it's uh, it's very interesting. So let me make one connection between Clytus, okay, Clytus, who is not a maester, he's a steward, but he served under Maester Amon, and this one quote was what I found when I was reading this morning, and it just stopped me in my tracks, and it's also in this Reddit uh, theory, and it's 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 awesome. Um, so Clytus returned to stir the wine. He's 60 if he's a day, an old man. He only seemed young compared with Amon. Short and round, he had the dim pink eyes of some nocturnal creature. A few white hairs clung to his scalp. So the words like nocturnal creature, bolt-on, mm-hmm. ruse, Vampires. We did a big video. We've done we've done pink. two videos on the bolt on the bolt on theory. Yep. Right, blood, drinking, pink, turn all hunting wolves, skinning wolves, the whole thing. I the more I I kept re- reading about Clytus throughout the entire. I'm like, if you want to talk about somebody who maybe actually, even if he got a raven from Roos and might have actually put pen to paper, Clytus might have actually been the one to legitimately put pen to paper and seal it with a pink wax, an old pink wax a smeared pink wax that he had had prior the the very nice clean and pristine pink wax that came in the first letter with the with the long spiky kind of handwriting from Ramsey Bolton um snow whatever you want to call him we call him a lot of different names here but um mm-hmm. so to me like like looking at Ruth so this, this this theory starts off kind of examining um him as being this master kind of player of the Game of Thrones and also issuing letters, using his son to issue letters and then um, correspondence that like subtly, you can't exactly tie it back to him, right? If you're a master at this game, there's a fall guy. There's somebody, even if it's his son, his bastard son, he now has a new wife who's pregnant, who he's hoping, you know, he's going to have more sons um, with. And so, you know, he's also, if you buy into the whole bolt-on theory, maybe he doesn't need sons. <laughs> or maybe mm-hmm. he's going to use their right. skins. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, so just that alone, this guy, this being a big bad guy, you know, is, is, is interesting. And then the second part to this, and I'm just giving you guys a quick summary. Again, I don't want to do it any injustice. It's, a, it's an amazing theory. Um, so then the second part is Clytus, and it is Maesters, and it is Lady Dustin talking to Theon and saying that it's the gray rats that run everything. It's the maesters who are in charge. And that Roos sees and knows all of this. Roos has three maesters with him at Winterfell. Um, He knows how to manipulate uh, people through words. And he also, I mean, you go clear back to Harrenhal and and, uh, Kyburn and the relationship Mm -hmm. that he had with Kyburn, right, is is interesting and, and the leeching and just... He seems to know quite a bit. It seems like um, he really doesn't need maybe a maester to, uh, like he might maybe for their healing abilities or for the leeching or someone just to be an aide or a help. But like he himself is smart and clever enough that he doesn't need it. He might dictate to them to pen something, and then again, it's you know, as 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 some of the lord uh, lords and ladies might believe, it's the maesters who are who are kind of up to no good. Uh, and, and putting their own words in these letters. And maybe that's something Bolton or that, uh, yeah, that, that Roos is, is thinking about. But, um, and we know also, and I think it's a preview chapter, where Stannis kind of says he captures a maester, and that maester had just sent a map of Stannis' camp back to Roos. So he does use maesters to spy. He is, they're not just giving him, he's not sending his own uh, men out there. He's sending these these men who are supposed to be kind of like, working for the betterment of the realm, but yet, like, this person was sent in, I mean, they're, they're, they're spying, and they're, 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 you know, I don't know, they're, they're pl- placing their allegiance, loyalty, or whatever to, to Roos, and so that was kind of interesting. So could he be, so could Roos also be doing that with Clytus, was, was sort of the question. Is it like, is he somehow now gotten close to, Cly- like, is there already a pre-existing issue at Castle Black? Is there already a problem um, that the stewards don't like, that they're upset, Alistair Thorne, you kind of take that cast of characters and you say, is there something going on there that I can use to get rid of Jon Snow? Now, and then you go back and you say, well, why would Roose Bolton want to get rid of 
of Jon Snow. And there's tons of reasons. And this guy goes through and does a great job of laying them all out. I think Sir Matt could probably think off the top of his head a few reasons why you wouldn't want to have Jon Snow sitting up there. Um, maybe indirectly challenging uh, a claim, even if John doesn't want to challenge it, just his existence alone and that his proximity right. to Winterfell challenges his claim to, to uh, the and, Bolton claim. And what's to say that anybody hasn't overheard Stannis offering John that that claim and whether right. and whether they heard John say, well, I accept it or I don't, there, you know, rumors spread and all this stuff that, oh, maybe John's going to go. Maybe the John's going to go do it, and so we need we need him out. And here's a here's some reasonings why, and it, it provides more. Now, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll exactly. leave it there. I'll, I'll wait for you to explain more, and then and then I'll pose some questions to you to yes. kind of chat to to pose some challenges, so that way we can go like through it. and say, well, here's here's where this works, and here's where this works. Yeah, exactly. I got I got you. So okay, um, so if Roos is looking for that advantage to kind of um, you know, deal with maybe a possible threat or to cause some issue, you know, or, or maybe want Stannis to fall back, acquire his wife and child or whoever else we, we don't, you know, there's reasons why he would want to maybe have his own people uh, in, in charge or to have John deposed and, and what have you. So how do you make the connection? Like, is he just sending correspondence to Clytus? Is, is that, is that what's like, what's, what's actually going on? So Alistair Thorne, is they, this is where I, I couldn't really connect the dots, and I, this theory does a great job of it. There is a hooded figure in Winterfell that people don't know who he is, and um, this Redditor uh, proposes, so again, um, Gideon Wainwright is, is mm -hmm. his handle, uh, proposes that the hooded figure is actually, um, is, is actually Sir Alistair Thorne, and that he shows up there based on his hand gesture, uh, his placement on his dagger, on the hilt of it, on his um, insults to Theon, mocking Theon. Because that was the thing I said, how would Sir Alistair Thorne, going back to my original thing before I had read any of this theory, I said, how would Thorne know about Reek and, and Theon and, and, and all of that? And if you say, like if George wrote in a hooded figure to make that connection, to have someone, because Reek, Reek is the interesting X factor that shows up in that letter right. in the pink letter. I think that's the one that really kind of like, well, like when you look at that, okay, someone had to know reek and had to know the significance of that individual and know that, that person escaped, you know? So then you look at the hooded figure and you say, okay, that person's nearby. Uh, they're in Winterfell at the same time when the escape is happening encounters Theon. Um, yeah. And so, and so that could be someone giving, you know, if, if, if Alistair is the one giving communication back to, um, Clytus or Roos or whatever, if Roos is commissioning this through Alistair Thorne, the hooded figure, um, that would be, that would be interesting. And the reason Thorne, so no, the question is why would Thorne be in Winterfell? Why would Alistair Thorne be in Winterfell? He was sent on a ranging North, right? Um, he says several times, well, he says directly to, to, to John, to the Lord commander, um, this is a death sentence. You're sending me on, you're sending me to my death. You're not hanging me. You're not taking my head like you did, Jaina Slint, but you are essentially um, sending me to my death. And so instead, he goes off and he, he, he I, I would say, kind of fakes that he's complacent, uh, maybe does go, maybe is smuggled back uh, across the wall or, or goes south or whatever. He's, you know, he, he's been there, he knows his way around. And then he decides, instead of going north, I'm going south. And I'm going to take what's going on here, what's festering up here, and I'm going to take it down to Roos Bolton, and I'm going to have words. And I'm going to talk about the, you know, because uh, he knows, too, that there's almost an alliance between John and Stannis. He knows that this fight is happening. You're not supposed to take part. The Night's Watch takes no part, right? But um, still, I mean, I think he's... You know, so we don't know what that whole conversation is like, but there's that, that that's how I think maybe he would have gotten there. Right. Um, and then you go back to it's it's two stewards who are sh who are you know saying for the watch. The stewards already had some issues with John there, and I think all of that is is interesting. So really, with this redditor, final thought here on on this uh, post, this Bolton conspiracy, is that um, Roos actually just commissions it. He commissions it to be written. He didn't go as far as to say that like. Uh, Clytus actually wrote it, 
And I was just thinking about the, the pink wax and it being smeared and you maybe reusing that wax button from before if you still had it. I can't remember if they threw it in the file. I don't, I don't remember exactly. I think John uh, crumbles it in his hand. I think he like the first letter where Arya is, is to be, air quote, Arya, uh, fake, fake Arya, is, is supposed to be married uh, to Ramsay. You know, I don't remember what happens, but I think that wax is still laying around. And I think it's recycled, possibly, by, by Clytus. No mention, there's no mention of um, the characteristics of the handwriting. Like, it doesn't look like, like, George tells us what the handwriting looks like of Ramsey and then doesn't tell us that it's the same handwriting again later on. Um, sets it up, and literally, by the way, like, here, here's another big clue. There's a phrase in dance where um, Clytus says, only, and he uses the word, only the Boltons use pink wax. Only them. Well, unless Clytus reuses it, you know, mm -hmm. like, like that whole kind of like only, it could only be them. Well, when you say that, then you're kind of saying, okay, like pay attention to that, right? Clearly they're not the only, you're, you're dealing in an absolute there. Something, someone else is using it or reusing it or has gotten right. a vial. If you want to make it look like it's the Boltons, then you use pink wax. Yeah. So yeah. as, yeah, so some of the things, you know, initially we did a video on this last uh, last week with with Sir Jimmy, um, where we were responding to fan comments about who wrote the pink letter. A video we did before because um, we just we're doing this live, and so we have some more people jumping in. So um, we had somebody send us a. a, a a comment uh, on that video and they were saying, you know, Alice or Thorne. So we, that's when we started talking about it a little bit last week. And so now we're saying, well, it might, it's at, maybe it's Alice or Thorne and Clytus right here. Uh, you know, the, the, the combination, the combination of the two, because, you know, some of the interesting things are you're going to need, you, you know, when you look at the pink letter, how would Roos Bolton, who is supposedly the author or excuse me, Ramsey Bolton. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ramsey is, yeah. is the supposed author of the thing. How would he, a lot of this information, it feels like he wouldn't know, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're, in order to know this, it, it, it seems, it seems kind of odd because it's like, well, it, then you start going on the list. Well, who would actually know all of this information, right? I want my Reek back. Well, you know, but then when John gets the letter, John's like, I don't know who Reek is. Right. Right. So, right. It's an odd letter because it doesn't. It just doesn't. It doesn't all add up. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know a lot of this information um, because it's like John doesn't know some of this information. Some of the stuff that's written in it, Ramsey should not know. Um, people say, well, Stannis should not know. So I think maybe it is kind of a combination of, of things being passed back and forth, and somebody like an Alistair Thorne who says. When John sends him up, I will be back one way or the other. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I will be back. Yeah. Um, and Alistair Thorne is very his his story is so interesting because in the show, right, he's there, he's part of it, and John gets resurrected, kills him. Well, mm -hmm. in the books, he uh, he's gone. John sends him away. He's not. Right. He's not. He's not there for it. Um, and you know, if we can use, sometimes I think you can use the show to project forward and say, I think some of the things we see between season five and you know the end, season six and season eight, I think that some of those, it, it is safe to say that some of those events will happen. Pretty similarly, some may be totally different. I think you know, Hodor is one that we look at and we say we're pretty much on board that Hodor one hundred percent happening. Yeah. Um, right. Alistair Thorne becomes a little more interesting because of his potential history as a Targaryen loyalist. Like, right. I think we like the idea that he could maybe be a good guy, maybe not. Who knows? Right. But, you know, I think it, it's, it's probably pretty likely that his story will end the same and that John will end up executing him. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of the thing is that right now in the book, why would what would be the reason in the book there is no reason that john would want to execute him as one of the conspirators right so when you there. take that little nugget and you think why did the show do that why did they do that well because george might have revealed to them that he was a part of a conspiracy to do something that would um kind of uh you know agitate or or push john over the edge um, one of the really cool, the, the title of that letter is bastard, right? I mean, it's just, it's bastard. And mm -hmm. every single time Sir Alistair knows that when John does something rash or he's like, you can push his button by calling him a bastard. John thinks about it during a 
fight that he has with Rob. He has a flashback where he's thinking about, he's like, I'm the Lord of Winterfell. And Rob says, you know, you can never, like, just because he beat Rob and it was some kind of King of the Hill situation, right? You know, the right. kids are playing. And um, Rob says, you can't be, you're a bastard, right? And that hurts John to think about that. Well, it's just a game. I just won it. And then as a little kid, Rob says something like that to him. So you have John thinking about that. And then you see the effects, like Alistair picks up on it very easily, calls him Lord Snow, and then switches to bastard. Um, because right. he knows why it irritates would, him. And why would Ramsey, who is also a bastard, call John a bastard as something to anger him? That's kind of odd. Right. I've exactly. al- I have al- yeah, I've always thought that that's kind of odd because, um, you know, it's not that we see it often, but Tyrion doesn't call other dwarfs dwarfs. I mean, you know, he doesn't no. call other other fools. You know, like imps and, and, and stuff. And, no. Right. right. You know, yeah. Right, right. Well, and, and one of the other things, the, the final line there, too, is that he, he not only does he start with, like, the bastard term, then it goes to um, trueborn lord of Winterfell, something that's really going to throw John off. Like, I'm, the, I'm a trueborn whatever. And you're like, wait a second, what? But are you, why would you really just be assertive? I don't know. It's, it seems, so the whole Ramsey thing, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a, for me, I'm starting to drift more and more away from, like, Ramsey, and it's just, like, Maybe maybe a Roos situation because when you go look at let's say Mance, here's the thing with Mance: people often forget that he has that um, ruby, that he has the like Melisandre's kind of he. Melisandre says that he is bound to her. Bo- uh, what is it? Mo- soul, body, soul, mm-hmm. something like that. There's a binding, like he will do as Melisandre bids. So unless Melisandre is directing him to, you know, um, to write that or something, that just doesn't seem like something Mance would want to do. He wouldn't want. Um, John kind of saves his life. I mean, John's doing good things for the wildlings. Why would he want that to happen? There is some kind of, um, we've talked about this several times, Tormund, uh, wildling le- leadership, vow, possibly secret communication, secrets embedded in the letter. That was a good one. I liked that theory that was out there as, as to like, maybe there's some hidden stuff in there that the wildlings are picking up on um, from the whole, you know, bail the bard uh, s- situation. But uh, it just seems to go counter to to who Mance is, and then Melisandre even more so, um, and then Stannis. That doesn't seem to be in his character. He's almost a what do you call it? Like a lawful good. Like he's like he's mm-hmm. not right. someone who's going right. to really like almost to his detriment. He's not going to you know resort to some tactic like that. So Stannis is kind of ruled out, and then you go back to who's been doing this all along, Roos. Now, Roos is not putting pen to paper. He's going to use his son, or when he does, even in the letter, he's going to make sure that it's some, it, the blame goes somewhere else, or he is really, really, really sure that he's going to come out on top and then make his move. You know what I mean? He's just that master kind of schemer. So, you know, if the opportunity presents itself and Sir Oster Thorne comes knocking on your door and saying, hey, uh, we have an issue up there uh, at Castle Black, and maybe correspondence was already going on and they, they knew about it. I mean... These are all guys who the cons- What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact. Every bite is better with Pepsi. Bearders at Castle Black are, a lot of them anyways, uh, are there prior to John showing up. And they, they, they are more so ingrained in this way of like the wildlings being here. It's not good. Uh, they don't think it's a good thing. They don't like the decisions that are being made. And so, you know, I mean, they could have been hiding uh, communication from him. Who knows? I mean, I don't really know. That's kind of tinfoil me just throwing that out there. But, but uh yeah, I just think there's there's way more to the idea that it's a group of people and that they're working towards this. And I just, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I cannot, t- the, the number of times where Clytus goes up and he's afraid, his skin is described as pink as well. Other people's are too, but like too many times the word pink is used right. around Clytus. And I'm like, whether he was given directions by by Alistair or Roos, it feels like there's a combination uh, of, of people working on the letter and that you had to have someone who knew what was going on in the north and uh, down in Winterfell, like at the wall and at Winterfell. You seem to have to know both pieces to write that letter. 
that's why when, when we look at it, it's such a really good letter because we as the reader look at it and go, wow, okay, we know all of that and it sort of makes sense. But then when you start to look at it from the perspective of one character, you say, well, how do they know all of that? And that's what a point of view read you know, story will, will do to you. It'll drive you insane. Like, how did they get that information? And then you throw in secret figures and magic and all sorts of stuff. And the next thing you know, right. you know, we're thinking Hot Pie wrote it. I mean, it's just like crazy. That's where you go. Yeah, it's a it's an endless circle of, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because you right. keep going back and forth and trying to, yeah, try, trying, trying to piece it all together. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I'm with you. Some of the characters, I think, when you really start to put, well, pen to paper, uh, I suppose, and, and wow. really start to look at it. You know, Stannis, I do, th it's unlikely, I think it's really unlikely that Stannis wrote it. Um, I mean, if the letter's true, you know, that's the other thing. If the letter's true, then Stannis would already be dead, right? So, well, that's, that's, you can, you can toss Stannis out. I mean, that, you know, when you, when you think about, why would I, it just, it seems unlikely to me that Ramsey would write a letter claiming that Stannis is already dead before he's fought him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is, too, like, Roos can kind of say this is on his, like, because I've always said John is almost justified in the fact that this was an attack on the um, on the watch. This is an, an attack on the Night's Watch and that they should have maybe rallied behind him more so. Um, yeah, uh, here's something else interesting. It's all kind of, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking through this, like, to attack your own Lord Commander and to not just have, it happens pretty abruptly and... Uh, it it's like this is the guy you're outnumbered up there. like the wildlings are there's tons of wildlings right. there's like some of the queen's men are up there um it just it's killing john is gonna is causal is causes a lot of instability so somebody was taking already rooted kind of um issues that were there among the stewards and and the divide that was there that was festering and someone stirred it up it's like this it's like you can almost see the hornet's nest sitting there and Roos saying I'm not going to poke it, but I am going to tell somebody else to go poke it. I'm going to send this guy back up there, and it will be an advantage to me. I mean, I was thinking, like, what are, the, what are more of the advantage? Well, some of the demands in the pink letter are, like, return this person, this person, give this person back. They're all things that John can't do, and John won't do. And so it's literally to just provoke him to do something that's going to get him in trouble. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's so, it's just, it's, it's interesting that, like, you have a previous correspondence where, um, invitations are sent or it's being made known that Ramsey's marrying Arya Stark and there's not much like that provoking and that stirring that's going on that that poking of the hornet's nest is not necessarily happening as much as it is now and so that's where again if you look at like when the letter is written there's some good resources out there on on how the preview chapters and winds of winter kind of help you figure out that um, when it was written the timing maybe of it uh, but then I think you have to go and kind of know who maybe is you know orchestrating it or or right. uh commissioning it um so but yeah Roos also could get then if there's instability up there if he has a chance to capture and take stannis's wife and his child and his red witch if that actually happened or, or you know like, like like something i mean that would be could the watch even do that though you know like the the, the guys who are con who are conspiring against john could they even they're not supposed to take part Right. So they're right. not going to give that person up, but it's just to cause maybe, you know, I don't know, just to take that person out. If you can put Alistair Thorne in charge, if you're Roos, that's a better guy for you, possibly. Um, just like the Lannisters were trying to put forward um, Slint, they put Slint, they sent him up there and we're, we're hoping that he would be kind of an informant or an influence for them, a loyalist up at the wall. And then he's beheaded, you know, yeah, uh, for his behavior. But yeah, I just think it's all really, really interesting. And I, 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 when you think about pen to paper, I just keep thinking of Clyde as being somebody who might have actually penned it, who might have actually actually penned it out under directions, written directions, or verbal directions, Probably. whatever it might be. I think that would be in um, in, in collusion with other members of the Night's Watch, yeah, and particularly Alistair Thorne. Yeah, yeah, and that hooded figure is the one that was kind of like, okay, I'd never really. A lot of people speculated different folks for for that individual, and, and you some know, people think it's just a, Theon's imagination, right? Right, smoothly it's just the ghost, right? They think it's just actually, you know. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Food for thought, I guess. Uh, folks can kind of chew on that and let us know what you think. And, again, um, like I said, I, I always like to 
Because you know, I mean, Sir Matt, we've done this time and time again, where we start to research something. Back in the day, this whole thing started when we were researching R plus L equals J, and we thought <laughs> we, we weren't reading the Reddits, and we were like, oh, we're on to something here. Yeah, so is everyone else. And it's great. Um, it's fantastic. What I like to find is, is somebody who can lay it out really well and articulate it really well. And we were looking for that nine-part um, uh, you know, theory. I didn't see it. So if anybody has that, I would love to also push that forward and have folks go check that out. But at least I found like a four-part, five-parter for you guys to go uh, read. And I'll put the links down there in, in the description. But fantastic stuff. Uh, I'm sold on, on it. I, I'm more solidified now more than ever in my thoughts on, on, on who wrote it or, or who had it commissioned or who's behind the whole thing. And actually, I think in the episode, you know, we kept kind of saying like, I don't know, like, like it's nothing like with George, like he makes you almost want to buy into some, we were talking about R plus L equals J with, uh, with, with Sir Jimmy. And like at the end of it, we just kind of come down to like, it probably is what it is, right? It, it you know, like mm -hmm. it most likely what we, our first kind of like, it's probably this. It, there's so many other situations where like, we're so surprised and shocked that something that seems straightforward or that like we should be able to kind of connect the dots a little easier. It's more difficult because all the other events that George will throw at us where characters have different identities or people come back from the dead or powers that you, you know, things that you can do. Uh, it, it, he keeps us guessing in that way. He surrounds something that's more straightforward by some craziness to really throw us off. And I love it. That's why he's a master writer. I love it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, um, guys, let us know. Leave us a comment. Let us know what do you what do you guys think about the potential of Alistair Thorne being the one who wrote the pink letter. Um, all right, so we are live here on YouTube. So uh, real quick, let's just dive. I'm going to dive back in here to some of the some of the comments. Uh, some people saying the one true king, Sanus Baratheon, wrote it. Lady Adrian, shout out to Lady Raj. Uh, some other people, just real quick in here, Lady Shannon. Um, uh, let me read this. I don't. I'm, I can't read that small text. Uh, Muhammad. Um, he says hi, sir. Hi, hi, sir. Matt. Hi, sir. Ezra. Um, so just giving a quick shout out to some of you guys in here on the chat. But with that, as let's move on over to the reread. Today we are into Brand Six of A Clash of Kings, uh, where Bran is once again dreaming through the eyes of Summer, who is alerted by a faint clink. And he and his brother can smell something wrong in the air. The dire wolf desperately tries to escape from the godswood, but the gate is locked. So tries to climb up to a tree to reach the wall, following Bran's thoughts. Summer falls from the tree, and Bran awakes with a sore shoulder to find a strange man in his room, followed by Theon Greyjoy. Theon calls himself a prince and tells him that a, the castle is now his, that his Iron Man swam the moat and unlocked the, poster, uh, the gate, uh, his father's former ward informs him that he must take the people of Winter. Uh, he must make the people of Winterfell aware that Theon is in command and that no one will be hurt if they concede. Bran watches as all those whom Jojen saw in his dream die, and all the Chronic Man's words have come true. The sea has come to Winterfell, and Micken drowns in his own blood as he refuses to bend the knee. Most in the castle defy Theon, but Reek and Osha join his service. Bran is disappointed about the latter, but manages to convince the rest that fighting is not the answer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is um, it's a short chapter, and um, it's kind of why we thought we'd pair it up with some of the Pink Letter stuff, uh, follow-up discussion there. But, you know, actually this morning my research started on all that, you know, what's going on at Winterfell uh, in a dance because of Bran's... Uh, dream his wolf dream you know through summer and trying to climb up that sentinel tree and escape and get out and then you know entryways into um winterfell or into the godswood or, or what have you i was kind of thinking about that and dwelling on that and thinking like okay what what are some of the things that you know the potential for that in um you know winds of winter or just in 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 general moving forward but but yeah i mean it's a it's well you know and it also leads me back to the question where I mean, uh, I don't know, man. The the Greyjoys. Mm -hmm. I I I don't know. Um, or I'm sorry, not the Greyjoys. I'm sorry, the Greyjoy. Uh, the, the Greyjoys, I don't trust. You guys know that for sure. Uh, the Reeds, the Reeds. Okay, that are blowing in the wind. Did of they? Winter. Did they? Did they let it happen? Did they let this happen? Well, they warned Bran. Yeah. Well, should they not have told an an adult? 
Should they not? <laughs> well, like, you know, what is going on here? Um, it took me back to sort of like, well, this is, you know, this does happen. This is true. This is a green dream kind of come, you know, um, that Jojen does see things. There are things that he, I mean, Brand thinks about it throughout the chapter, like this is coming true. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, exactly the way we, that, not exactly, uh, but enough so that you start to say, okay, I'm going to buy into um, Jojen. And this is kind of the big buy-in, right? You're, you, you're attacked. It could have been prevented. Maester Lewin is kind of saying, hey, I wish I could have done more. Um, sorry that I was, you know, I, sh- I should have saw this as well. Um, you know, and you're just left with a, a handful of folks trying to alebelly, right? Alebelly's up there trying to, you know, they sneak up on him. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's just sort of a, a chapter that sets up kind of this... Um, Brand's arc and, and trusting in Jojen and believing in these powers and maybe sometimes believing too much in them. Um, and we're not really exactly sure. It's funny, some of the chapters I was just reading with Melisandre, John talks about sorcery being a sword without a hilt, you know, and that you yourself essentially could be cut and that you could be hurt using such a sword. And so I thought about that um, with this chapter and I just kind of thought like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, uh, the more we ch- trust in Jojen, like, just because he's right one time, what if he's wrong two other times? But are we going to believe him every single time? Um, or do we just, you know, now moving forward, watch Bran kind of buy in? But Bran still will question a little bit as we, as we you know, um, go go with him a bit here. But, yeah, it's just Theon's big moment, though, you know, where he gets in it and he's, uh, he takes Winterfell. I mean, and- I mean, do you think, I mean, on, you know, we talked, we talked, actually, we talk a lot of when it comes to the gray joys, I, I think people know that we're always like, oh. it's just, they just, it just seems like they have, they have no ability to actually, you know, when you think of Balon gray joy, you know, it's like, how are you going to rebel, man? What a I joke. Mean, I mean, what a joke. joke. <laughs> I mean, really, it was just what a, what a, what a joke. I mean, at least now, I love his it, rebellion, yeah, at least now his rebellion makes some sort of a sense, makes some, some sense because there's are this, there's already some other dissent and some stuff going on. But it's Theon's the one who actually accomplishes the biggest thing. I mean, he takes Winterfell. It's not like he takes, you know, some tiny right. little, tiny little keep, right? That no one's ever heard of on the, on the, on the coast. I mean, right. he takes a big, he makes it, takes a big castle. And yes, Mira comes and says that this is, uh, not Mira, excuse me, um, Asha mm-hmm. or, yeah, Asha, yeah, Yara yeah. in the in the show comes and says, you know, this you shouldn't have done this. this we don't have the men. We don't have the men to occupy it. But if you don't have the men to occupy, it, then what? What's your? What is your goal? What is your? What is your objective? Yeah, yeah I know, I know. I I think you know, it, and that's the problem is that right now Theon doesn't see clearly what his father's objective was. We get later on, like, okay, if you can keep everyone from, if you can use Moat Kalen, and if you can keep them all south, you can raid and plunder all you want, take, go, go back and forth, and not stay. Kind of a, you know, hit it, grab, get out, and and, and all of that, and keep them guessing. But, like, I mean, that's just where they're not on the same page. They're not on the same page and going forward and saying, let's occupy, let's try to occupy. And, and maybe Theon's wrong, right? Maybe he is wrong in wanting to just go, occupy Winterfell and having all the um, northern lords and people kind of, you know, rise up against him or, or, or whatever. But um, it there's just they don't trust Theon. And and then you, you get frustrated because I almost go to defending Theon when he was back at uh, Pike because I'm like, OK, you know, this guy uh, it's not it's not his fault that his father lost that rebellion and, and had a stupid rebellion that Robert went and had to put down the Greyjoy rebellion. OK, and so you know, Theon's getting punished and getting, you know, talked down to, hold on a second, dad, you're the one who lost, not me. I'm back here now side by side, making a good alliance, trying to help us out. And here you go again on another stupid, foolish venture. Right. And then you don't tell him, you don't tell me the whole plan. Your commanders are not. He has no, he, he has no plan. His his plan no. his plan is he's he's just one of those guys. Like, oh, we're just going to take it. Well, we'll pay the pay, pay the iron price. We're going <laughs> to pay the seriously. I mean, it is. That's what it comes off as. Oh, we're just going to pay the iron price because that's what bunch we do. Bunch of pirates. We're They're pirates. We're, we're a bunch of yeah. And it's like for what? So you can sit on a stupid like rock out in the middle of nowhere and just continue to raid and plunder. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that if any if if they could all at some point be like, it's time to just go end this and they could just go immediately easily take out pike and i know 
there'd be nothing they could do about it. Yeah, be, I know. Be, like, they're, 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 get the red I mean, wine. Daenerys, you, you Daenerys, Daenerys could yeah. end Pike in like five minutes. I mean, seriously. I mean, she, yeah. she could. She, she could, could end it in, in five minutes. It would be yeah. right. It, you know, it would it would, it would be over. Um, but yeah, and so I think some of the times when when we look at that, we just think, you know, how you know how does how does this happen? I mean, um, but it, it, it's good, and it, it is as you're right. It, this chapter is a big is sort of a big kind of turning point for for Theon. Um, because it's now it sets him up on this stage, and isn't it interesting that also Reek is here, right? When, oh, yeah. when Theon comes and makes his thing, and then the uh, Reek is here, right? Because there's another Reek, and if you're right. not a show watcher, you're like, wait, right. hold on a second. Yeah, there's yeah, Theon becomes Reek in the show, uh, but in the book, there's actually another guy named Reek, and then Theon will also become Reek. It's yeah, yeah, you'll you'll see as we progress through the chapters. Yeah, because because a lot of I know a lot of our listeners are just people who watch the show and they're reading this the first time, and so you might be confused by that. But right, and and actually, you can see while we're on the because we mentioned Reek in the pink letter um, earlier in in this episode, but in this chapter, I mean, you do see Ramsey um, kind of be kind of clever. I mean, cl- very clever. We find out later how clever he is, you know, right here. But just his word choice kind of um you know allying with somebody temporarily while they're in power and and all that kind of stuff is is uh you know he's smart he's a, he's a smart guy he sees the opportunity he knows how to take advantage of it and uh you know so a point to him and again some of that stuff when when you realize how cunning Roos Bolton is some of that's going to rub, rub off on his on his bastard son you know what i mean when you're when you're around mm-hmm. a guy and you're a part of his maybe his councils or you hear him talk or you realize what he's up to um it's it's kind of a big uh it's 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 a big plus for his son to have that type of mentor or person that he's trying to you know look up to in some way although you know people might disagree with that and a bunch of issues between ramsey and uh roos but no it, yeah it's it's a it, interesting that he is there that reek is there and um you know joins up helps out micken man Micken is the guy in this, though. I'm just like, I think we were joking beforehand. <laughs> we, we're always, t- we're always totally like we. Sir Matt and I exaggerate a lot about these um, chapters, and I think I said to Sir Matt, I'm like, what was Brand doing? Oh, Brand can be king, huh? At the end of the series, right? He can't even hold Winterfell. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so a couple of interesting uh, notes about this chapter. Just looking at some of the some of the, just, just some of the, some of the other other comments people have had on it, and like. Um, uh, one of the reddits I really like is ASOIAF Song of Ice and Fire uh, reread. Uh, it's a it's a Reddit form that just is every day doing another chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've read it like four or five times. Um, so this the, uh, here's a really good really good comment here saying that um, this is the first time it seems like Bran is actually controlling Summer, whereas before. His dream, his dreams were just to him felt like dreams, like he didn't understand what was going on. But this is the first time um, he's controlling his actions, especially with him like climbing, right? Like um, yeah. with Summer's kind of climbing, which is something right. that Bran not natural to, to do, yeah. right? And so this is the first time it feels like Bran is beginning to even warg, and it's unfortunate that um, and maybe there is kind of some some thematic, uh, yeah, I don't know, writing there with what what George is doing, and that. Bran is beginning is in this in the chapter where he loses Winterfell is becoming more one with Summer and that wolf side and perhaps his destiny and all of this stuff and so he has to leave Winterfell in order to and you know because it does set up the stage for him to leave Winterfell so mm-hmm. that's definitely kind of kind of interesting yeah it is I mean that that whole um there's um a lot of uh it's not something a dire wolf would try to do is is climb a tree. But because at Brand's urging and this desperation or whatever, uh, it's something that is attempted by 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 Summer. So mm-hmm. I like that. I like uh, yeah. I, I I do like that. And yeah, again, this more more control starting to kind of believe. Um, I think Brand was scared a little bit of these dreams, scared of going to sleep. Um, is now starting to prefer that that wolf dream and is realizing that. Um, that the reeds that Jojen has a, possibly a bit of power that he and Rickon had the same dream about their father and um, yeah so and then he then he sees uh, you know someone he looks up to Maester Lewin come in and say 
uh, I failed a little bit. So you start to really shift over to I believe more and more in powers and magic and and uh, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, some um, some other comments here. I just want to find the. I'm uh, just trying trying to trying to find the oh right here. Um, he heard it again, clink and scrape. It brought him to his feet. His ears pricked and his tail rose. This is when he's in the dream. He howled a a long, deep, shivering cry, a howl to wake the sleepers. But the piles of man rock were dark and dead, which um, seems kind of similar in a way to uh, the Night's Watch Oath. I am the fire that burns against the cold, the light that brings the dawn, the horn that wakes the sleepers, and then you have a howl that wakes the sleepers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the piles of man rock were dark and dead, uh, the shield that guards the realms of men, you know, and the pile of rocks kind of, he's this person saying reminds me of, the um wall and so that's just kind of that's just kind of interesting and then keep in mind um you have this this rocks that were dark and dead and we know at some point somebody is supposed to raise dragons from stone and so it's just like rocks dead you know what i mean so all of this stuff so that's kind of um just some some interesting uh how dark is the stone how oily is it up at the wall come on seriously look out yeah so that's just some just some other kind of um uh, in, in interesting uh, comments when you when you when you look at this. Yeah, no, I yeah, I I like that. It's a really good kind of uh, uh, parallel there. Is that yeah, all that stuff surrounding the the dire wolf. I was actually reading again, and my I'm trying to make connections here to further on in the series. So, um, uh, at one point, Ghost is um, we talk about keeping your dire wolves close. We always talk about what. Catelyn realizing that it's important to keep them close, to trust them, to look to them. They can be kind of like a really good guide for even us as readers to say, maybe we should trust that person or maybe we should, you know, whatever. Uh, Ghost likes Melisandre, goes right up and nuzzles his little, you know, nose in there mm-hmm. and just uh, enjoys himself some Melisandre. Is that a trap? Sorry, I just want to throw that out there real quickly as I'm thinking about direwolves. Um, yeah, the other big thing, I, I, I said it already, I mean, pour one out for Micken because Mm -hmm. he gets reflected on quite a bit actually again even in the stuff I was reading in uh dance John is reflecting on Arya and reflecting on on Micken's sword and his work that he that that he did you know he makes needle right um and because John's all worried that if that really is Arya uh she'll end up you know stabbing kind of uh Ramsey but uh yeah Micken man just uh his his mark his work um Really good, really good to have somebody just tell Theon off for, for all these terrible things that are going on, and and uh, sucks that he's killed. Um, but uh, I think it kind of kind of brings a seriousness to the hall there when when he does kill Micken, and you know no one else is going to kind of oppose him. And and what can they do? They can't do anything. They're beaten. Uh, no shame in it, as Mister Lewin says. And uh, so Bran yields up Winterfell, and you know. And that's just the beginning. I mean, I was reading in A Storm of Swords the other day, and it's like a lot of um, the rumors and what happens. What this does is felt by the Starks and other characters in the South for a long time. They still don't know because we're going to get into some chapters where Brandon Rickon, the Miller's boys, all that kind of stuff uh, goes down with Theon and Reek. And um, it, it's something that other characters reflect on for a long time. Uh, just like the events at King's Landing. You know, Eddard Stark being beheaded, and then is Arya alive? Did she die? John thinks she's dead. When the marriage proposal comes around, she's dead. What's going on? Um, so this is one of those chapters where this starts off major rumors, and well, now who has control? And it just kind of, you know, can you trust the Ravens coming in and out of there? Stability, it's it's their instability um, has started in a massive way, and so yeah, we're gonna feel it throughout the throughout the rest of the um, rest of the book, rest of the series. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I'm just trying to make I'm just trying to make something here because I saw a comment and I'm just trying to make sure that this is, in fact, correct. Oh, we, we, we got Sir Matt in a literal. Hold on. Isn't isn't uh, uh, isn't Reek actually Ramsey? Yeah. That's right, right now. Yes. Right now. Right yeah, now. The- yes. Right now, he's, pu- um, he's pretending to be yeah this character Reek. So it is Ramsey, yes, yeah, and, just and, making sure, yeah, yeah. Because prior to that, I mean, he's um, yeah, he's out and he he 
yeah, he disguises himself and they take the actual reek and thinking it's it's right. um, Rams. Yeah, the whole thing is kind of a switcheroo. He smells terrible, you know, knows how to kind of play up that character. Because it's so, well yeah, so that, rumored that that he had a, you know, manservant or whatever named Reek. People knew that about him. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, just so yeah. So, so just just pay attention to that. And then also, it's interesting that Ramsey is in this chapter. Um, and then next chapter is an Arya chapter where Roose Bolton shows up to Harrenhal. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it's like these subtle little like and you go back to Game of Thrones right and we're only in the second book here but I mean you go back to the first book and it's mentioned all along the way how how big of a deal you know, like like to pay attention to the Boltons to pay attention to House Bolton to pay attention to Roose and we just sometimes it's not as abrupt or in her face it's way more subtle and it takes characters like Lady Dustin and others to kind of let us know this is a these are characters big players to kind of watch um, and. So yeah, I think they're they're fascinating, fascinating house. Um, I don't like them. They're hurting my hurt my Starks, and they're causing chaos in the north. So I definitely I don't I don't care for any of that. But um, I'd love it if there was actually something more, you know, magical to uh, to, to what Roos is up to, or just keep it kind of uh, secret and ambiguous or whatever, and let us kind of you know keep guessing yeah. about it. But yeah. And it, it it will be interesting next week when we just well I guess because we're kind of we're kind of done with this chapter, um, you know because at this point remember if you're reading this series for the first time, uh, like where we're at next week, you're if you're reading for the first time, well, Bruce Bolton's still a good guy at this at this point. That's right. He still robs Bannerman, and yep. so why if you're when you when you when you get to this because this is like this is really especially for all of you guys who are just show watchers. This is like the first big major, I would say major difference between the show and the book. Like if you're sure. watching the show, you're like, this is like, this doesn't happen at all. Right. I mean, yeah. whatsoever. Because I mean, right. up until this point, if you're just watching the show, yeah, there's characters here and there. That's slightly different. But this is like first big major, hold on a second. Like yeah. and it's kind of this a clue. does not right. this does not happen at all in the show, right? And some of those rumors and and you kind of when you when you think at like what Roos is going to have to deal with later on, some of that is almost like might have to denounce. I might have to denounce my bastard. Like you right. know what I mean? Right now he's loyal. Um, did he tell him to do that? Did he say look for an opportunity? You know, I mean, all that kind of stuff comes into into question. Like, does it work out? Was he trying to? So we'll we'll kind of cover right. and talk about all of that as as we navigate through it because uh, it is was it almost a tell was it you know because George doesn't write something that's really perfect and and perfect symmetry and all these different things I mean it's it's meant to kind of you know uh, right. mirror like w- feel real but also have elements of magic and dragons and right magical swords and then <laughs> and then and then and then a huge what if if you guys want to go next week and when we're going to be talking about this chapter so this would be a perfect Raven to send in. Uh, on people's thoughts, what if Arya did tell Roose Bolton at this point before he really goes through and betrays everybody? Although right now is he kind of already right, right, in the yeah. works of it, right? Yeah. I don't think you know. Does Arya know that? Not really. Um, if she's like, "Oh, I'm Arya Stark," essentially, I'm- you actually serve me uh, right. because you're House Stark's bannerman, right? What does he do? I mean, right. now he's got a huge piece. He can do. He can, there's a lot of things he could do. A lot, a lot. Yeah, and he already makes out like a bandit. I mean, he already, you know, we we know. Um, yeah, what what he's what he's you know. Would that have changed something though? Like, would he not have? Would he no, made I, different? It would have changed. You know? Yeah, like like what his decisions to. I don't know, because again, um, it's all about the timing too. And, and Rob is the mistakes that Rob makes. Kind of also line up with like help kind of with the decision making that you know look i'm gonna look i'm waiting Ruth seems to be a guy who can wait look see opportunity and even create avenues uh for himself but like when one presents itself and he sees an advantage he's gonna take it he's gonna hunt he's gonna hunt wolves i mean that's what he tells mm-hmm. kyvern he's you know he's gonna <laughs> leech yeah. me and let me hunt them so yeah absolutely all right guys well um i think think that is it for us today or do we or do, do we have a raven we're going to jump into today or i think that's i think we're 
Yeah, I think we're just gonna we're gonna leave it there. We did a lot of talk on the on the pink letter and wanted to kind of throw that out at you guys at the beginning. Uh, we do have some Ravens that we're gonna come back to uh, next week, and we'll continue with the reread. And we might, um, you know, from time to time, we're thinking about going live on on Sundays, just uh, whether it's even a standalone, you know. Um, video or something so we'd love for you guys to come over and help us out on youtube and subscribe it would be a huge help to to matt and i and into the channel uh just would be great we got that goal of trying to hit a thousand trying to get over it uh get over the hump and 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 have a good time so and we want that uh you know we're trying to get used to this as well too because as we as we get closer to any prequel shows and you know after after show kind of live streams things like that that we'd love to to keep engaging with and we'll kind of uh, as we end this show here on the podcast we'll kind of hang around for a little bit longer on um on youtube and stay live with some of our our bannermen and folks who are over here in the live chat with us but so one of the perks to kind of coming over and subscribing uh there so yeah i think that's that's probably it absolutely all right guys well hey we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing chapter 47 aria 9 of a clash of kings if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, uh, write a review, leave a comment, or send us that raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming. 